So 2022 was a huge year in terms of displacement and more than 100 million people in total were forcibly displaced. That total is equivalent to about 1% of the global population. Becky Telford is the Chief of Education for the UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency. Refugees and other forcibly displaced people are forced to flee their homes because of conflict, violence, disasters, including those from climate change or other major disruptions, or sometimes out of fear of persecution. There's such a significant population of children amongst the displaced population globally. So for refugees specifically, which is those displaced outside of their own country borders, about half of them, 48%, are still out of school. There's very low enrollment. By the time you get to secondary school, only 37% of refugees are actually enrolled. This is Plan Ed from UNESCO's International Institute for Educational Planning, where we take you inside education systems to learn about the policies and strategies helping to create a more equitable and sustainable future in and through education. I'm Alexandra Walthorn. IAP's mission is to strengthen the capacities of ministries of education to plan and manage their systems. And addressing the education needs of refugee children is key in a world where people are increasingly being displaced. The goal is inclusion, that refugee students are fully included in national education systems and are treated the same way and given the same opportunities as students from the host country. But that can be difficult for countries that are already having trouble providing quality education for their own populations. Lots of countries struggle already with education and since around 85% of refugees are hosted in lower and lower middle income countries, putting pressure on systems which are already struggling can be a huge issue. So very often there just aren't enough teachers in classrooms. A lack of teachers and overcrowded classrooms are just some of the challenges facing countries trying to include refugee students in their education systems. IIP offers support to ministries of education to help strengthen their capacities to plan for and manage the integration of refugees, offering both technical cooperation and training as well as research. I spoke with IIP Associate Program Specialist Talia Segon, who explains how this is done. Planning for inclusion can be broken down into issues related to access, quality, and management of national education systems. To ensure access to education and sustained political commitment, legal frameworks and institutional arrangements need to be put in place and carefully planned. Issues related to language of instruction and curriculum are key to ensuring the provision of quality education for displaced populations. The teaching force must also be carefully planned for to ensure that teachers are effectively recruited and deployed and that they can deliver lessons in safe and secure teaching and learning environments to foster motivation and well-being. They also need to have access to professional development opportunities. Finally, understanding the needs and challenges faced by host and refugee communities both for learners and teachers alike, requires having access to timely and relevant data and information. And of course, ensuring that there's sufficient funding to cover these needs is another key management issue that planners must think through. So what elements do ministries of education need to consider when planning for greater inclusion of refugees in their national education systems? 
Great question. In many contexts, inclusion means a large-scale shift from parallel education systems for refugees with UNHCR and partners in the lead toward an integrated government-led approach to education service delivery for refugees. As a result, inclusion requires strengthening existing national education systems to enable them to support refugee learners. And this fosters mutual benefits for both refugees and host communities. UNHCR agrees that local ministries of education must take the lead and include refugee and displaced students into their general systems. Here's UNHCR's Chief of Education, Becky Telford, again. There are focuses on the inclusion agenda around social cohesion, um, bringing refugees into the communities in which they find themselves and making sure that support to refugees also can potentially benefit host communities. Bringing children together in that way also builds social cohesion just from a community perspective. So having people be able to understand who are refugees and have those have those refugees feel welcome. But critically, it also links to accreditation and certification pathways. So it's not just about having access to, you know, to be able to learn something. It's also about really being able to build out a pathway to a different future. Can you tell us why is planning for the inclusion of refugees in national education systems then therefore very important? Planning is really key because including refugees means ensuring that those systems are ready, um, ensuring that they're, they're robust, that they're potentially prepared uh, to work when there is an emergency or an influx, looking at the contribution that that makes then to the resilience of the whole system and how that trickles down to being able to support teachers, to being able to support children and youth. And, and that cohesion um, at a social level is, is really critical. There's also an aspect of feasibility. And whilst we are you know, very strongly advocating for inclusion in national systems, we also recognise that where systems are already struggling, being able to, to have arguments and to have clear requests on additional human and, and financial resources um, is really critical. And that's part of the relationship um, between kind of humanitarian and development partners and the relationship between host government ministries, for example, uh, and the international community. So looking at the, the equitable distribution of resources, making sure that host communities aren't struggling because of a refugee influx, um, but that we're creating something that, that really improves access to education for all. Planning, however, involves data, locating and identifying the learners and assessing their needs. I asked IIP's Talia Segon about data needs and the challenges. So let's imagine we're planners in a host country receiving a large influx of refugees. As a planner, one of the first tasks that I would take on would be to establish an evidence-based understanding of the needs and challenges faced by host and refugee communities, at the same time, the timeliness and accuracy of data, as the motivations behind data collection can skew results. For example, inflation of numbers may lead to increased funding allocations. Data also needs to be available within a reasonable period to be relevant, given the fluidity of displaced populations. There can also be significant protection concerns with collecting data of forcibly displaced populations. Exactly. And so this also raises questions on how data are actually, is actually used. Yes. So once information is collected, how it is analyzed and used varies. When multiple education service providers are involved, this often leads to data fragmentation across systems. And all too often, indicators are mostly reflective of the number of learners reached and not necessarily of the quality of interventions, meaning that the actual learning achievements may remain largely unmonitored. 
These challenges point to the need to strengthen existing education management information systems with tools that can be deployed quickly and frequently, and that include disaggregated data on refugee populations aligned with the data that is collected for national populations. Kenya hosts over half a million refugees and asylum seekers, most coming from Somalia. Over half of them are under the age of 17. Kenya strives to offer the same educational services in refugee camps and settlements as in the public system. But Demaris Otieno, head of documentation for Kenya's Department of Refugee Services, told Talia that this is still a work in progress. Efforts have been made to include refugees in the National Education Identification System, for example, and they follow the national education curriculum and sit for national exams. But a major problem is a lack of teachers. We have so many learners in the refugee schools in the camps, and the teacher-to-learner ratio is very high. You find a classroom of 100 students uh, being manned by one teacher, and most of these teachers are not qualified. So the children may be getting education, but uh, you know, you question the quality or the relevance of that education. So without a clear policy and guidelines on how uh, we can uh, recruit teachers to be able to teach in the refugee schools, that has impacted greatly on learning. The other issue that is there is also in terms of uh, documentation requirements for refugee learners. So we have an online system for all learners in Kenyan schools. So a child who is joining school uh, in grade one or is going to sit for national examinations must have a birth certificate. And most of the refugee children who are not born in Kenya do not have birth certificate. Another issue is uh, overcrowding in classes. So for us as a department, those are the major challenges that we face. So... And these are policy uh, issues that are, if they're addressed, then some of the problems that the refugees experience may actually be a thing of the past. And the initiative that uh, the ministry has taken to to work towards a national policy on including refugees may go a long way in elevating some of these uh, problems that refugee learners experience. Demaris also shared innovative strategies to help ensure learners can thrive no matter where they are. So some of the innovative uh, ways that we, we are using to ensure that displaced learners are able to thrive no matter what is ensuring that uh, a big percentage of the children who are of school going age go to school. So uh, even as we talk about the teacher-learner ratio, we still encourage uh, all children to be in school, even in the camp setting. Uh, they may not be getting the quality education that we've envisioned for them, but uh, the school environment provides a safe haven for many of the refugee children. Another one is uh, we've worked uh, with the Ministry of Education in terms of, I, t- I talked about the requirement for a birth certificate. We have agreed in principle with the Ministry of Education that this document of identity that is given to asylum seekers and refugees on arrival can be used to register them, to be able to sit for national examinations, to enroll the children in school. Is this keeping up with uh, the, the high number of students? We have so many students arriving every day, but we are not keeping up with the pace, but we are trying as much as possible to ensure that all new arrivals or new learners are able to be enrolled in school. 
even when they do not have the right requirements. IAP has been researching the teaching workforce in refugee settings in Kenya to come up with recommendations to help strengthen effective teacher management. It has also helped lay out the costs for developing an action plan for including refugees in the national education system. Talia explained that IAP provides technical support and training as well as research for governments looking to advance the inclusion of refugees in education. Our technical support to ministries of education includes costed action plans for educational inclusion of refugees in national education systems. In the area of training, for example, we developed a training course for UNHCR and ministry representatives to develop their skills and capacities to plan for the inclusion of refugees in national education systems. And supporting teachers in refugee settings is also an important area of focus for IAP. We carried out research with Education Development Trust on teacher management in Ethiopia, Jordan, Kenya, and Uganda. This research includes recommendations to help guide decision-making and foster better teaching and learning environments for all. So how is IAP's work making an impact so far? So IAP has been working in diverse contexts to support ministries as they move toward greater inclusion of refugees in national education systems. This requires joining up planning processes. Governments and their partners need to be able to know both the number of refugee and asylum-seeking children in their country, as well as their education needs. Joint planning across ministries of education and refugee organizations can contribute to more equitable resource allocation. Bringing together ministries and refugee organizations is also a way to foster social cohesion. It can raise awareness about the challenges that both populations are facing and can lead to collective problem solving and create innovative solutions. So you mentioned costed action plans also. I would love to hear more about what this entails. Absolutely. So this is a capacity development process which involves working again with national governments and refugee organizations, including civil society organizations, to jointly prioritize strategies, programs, and activities to improve education service delivery for all learners, determine the financial cost for the inclusion of refugees in a national education system, and really lay the foundation for fundraising efforts to include refugees in national education systems. To date, IIP has supported costed plan development in Kenya, and now we are working with Mauritania to develop a costed plan in line with the country's forthcoming education sector plan. That was IAP Associate Program Specialist Talia Sagom. This is Plan Ed, a podcast from IIEP UNESCO. You can find more information about the rights of education for forcibly displaced persons on our website, www.iiep.unesco.org. Join us next time for more insight into the policies and strategies helping to create a more equitable and sustainable future in and through education.